40,000. Yes. Thank you, Dan. No, we just leave it on. All right, 40,000. And I think I heard somebody say, I know I wasn't one, but actually Nick was on a roll this morning. He said he knew he was one this year, so I don't know what happened to him. Captain Underwear got hurt in the toilet. I have no idea what the heck's going on there. So I hope that you will come out with us for uh, baptisms today. You are going to be just treated wonderfully to one of the most wonderful views of Lake Erie. Uh, they have two golf carts going because it goes up and down a hill. If you can't make it up and down the hill, come support your brothers and sisters in Christ. All right, I got a couple questions for you and a couple graphics as we open up. Have you ever seen somebody that shouldn't have went out of the house with what they had on? Let me give you one here. I got one. Pop it up there for me. It says, I have no idea what Justin Bieber was thinking about. Just because you're famous, you think you can wear anything? Where's your mother when she, you need her? Just because you're famous, don't mean. How about this lady? This lady is a model walking down a runway. I think the outfit is called Fruit Loop. All right? How about this one? How about the uh, ugly Christmas sweater? Everybody knows it's an ugly Christmas sweater. Everybody knows it. And I, I don't think that people realize if you put an ugly Christmas sweater on, you become ugly. It don't matter how good looking you are. Has, is there anybody in your life, thank you, sis, take that off, that's, that's, that's enough of that. Has anybody in your life that gives you designer suggestions, outfit suggestions, is there anybody in your life that says, that doesn't go together, don't walk out of the house like that? Is there anybody in your life like my wife? Is there anybody that says, that just doesn't match, you know? I, people say, you know, that, that's a nice shirt you got there, you know, those untucked ones. I said, my wife bought it. What, what do I tell you, you know? She went out, she bought me five, six shirts. She, I try them on, what don't fit, I have to take back. She shops them and she brings them home. She doesn't like to do that, but we have an agreement, you know? And so I ask you the question, you know, do you have somebody that could be honest with you, honest even with yourself? At the top of your notes, you see the notes there, they're orange, or you can pull out your smartphone. If you go to the Bible app on your smartphone and that hit events, this will, uh, this will pull up. All of the notes are there today. You need to have your Bible with you, or you need to have a Bible on your phone, because you're going to need all of 1 John, the second chapter. I only put the first couple of verses. You need to check out, if somebody's preaching something, if it's biblical, and you need to check it out today. Don't always be afraid if somebody says, just trust me, don't check it out, all right? Make sure you check it out. So can you be honest with yourself? Can you say, well, this makes me look good, this accents my figure, this does or doesn't, you know? Sometimes it can be quite comical, you know? If I have two different color socks on, you don't care. My wife might, but I, I can't see when, when I'm dressing in the morning. You know, Maria's, I got the lights off. Says, as long as one's not white, I'm okay. And so can you be honest with yourself? And the question is, is that we can be honest with ourselves. We want to look good on the outside. Can you be honest with yourself in regards to your spiritual life? Can you be honest with yourself to say, you know, when I read the Bible and God speaks to me, I allow him to correct me, I listen to him. Because the one thing that everybody in the world has is the Word of God. That's what we go to. Everybody in this country, everybody in this church, you can all get a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we have them free. They're up here. We purchase them. You come get one after service. It's yours free of charge. We want you to have one. Because it's where we go to for information. It's where we go to to, to learn things. Now, you know, we're just not calling ourselves a Christian today. 
where we're going to examine and have the integrity to see what the Bible teaches. And every week this month, we're going to be looking at John. And you have a couple uh, just footnotes at the top of your notes. First John was written by John the Apostle around 95 A.D., which made him possibly 90 to 95 years old. You know, he's about 90 to 95 years old. He's written five books uh, in the New Testament, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, the book of Revelation, which he hasn't written yet, but here he's got this book and the Gospel of John. He's referred to as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And in this book, he uses the word know, K-N-O-W, and its various forms about 40 times. In other words, he says, he's claiming that when you read his book and when you read the Bible, there's some things you can know. People say, well, you can't know this, you can't know that. Well, John claims that there are some things that you can know. The question is, is, Will we accept what he teaches? So, last week we looked at uh, fellowship. If you want to go to our website, click on, you can see the first in this series. So this is 1 John, the second chapter. 1 John, the second chapter. Number one in your notes, can you be honest with God today? Correct your thinking. Can you be honest with God today and correct your thinking? Maybe you're thinking a certain way or direction. Do you know if you know a life coach, a life coach is going to start with between your ears. They're going to start with your thinking. If you need help keeping a job, if you need help with your work ethic, if you need help with your diet, if you need help with getting along with people, a life coach will start with the way that you think. And so John starts with the way that we think. My dear friends, First John, the second chapter, verse 1. My dear children, I write this to you, and that's one of the phrases he repeats over and over and over again. I write this to you so that you will not sin. If I was to pass out a piece of paper and ask you the question, here's your quiz for the day, do we all have to sin every day? We talked about this last week. Do we have to sin? Should we sin? John said, I write this to you so that you will not sin. And I know, everybody else knows the next verse and everything else. But do you know all of the context? He goes on to say, but if anybody sins, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the world. Let me ask you a question. You know probably everything that's taught there. You know that if you sin, you have an advocate with the Father. You know Jesus died. He's our advocate. He paid for our price. You know he didn't die for just our sins, but for the sins of the entire world. That's why he is the only one that can save us. That's why all who don't come to him for salvation depart from him for eternity. I didn't say it. It's in the Bible. He said it personally. Under what circumstances did John write this book? He was under the influence, not of alcohol. He was under the influence of the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit influencing him. It seems we know everything, but nobody gets up and they say, you know, I know the Bible was written so I don't sin. And we talked about it last week, and I can show it to you in almost every book in the Bible. And yet people are constantly teaching something that's wrong. You have to sin. Now, this doesn't say that. It says, but if anybody sins. You know, there, there was a time I was doing a little bit of reading during our, um, uh, our military actions. I was reading about pilots, and some of the pilots had all this information, and they were told, if you're shot down, if you're shot down, take, you have to take this kill pill that they take with them. 
It's a cyanide capsule or something like that because we don't want the enemy torturing you and getting all the information that we have. You know, Some of them took it, some of them refused to take it. But it wasn't like when you're on your flight, make sure you take it. It was, but if you get shot down, if you get shot down, they didn't say, hey, when you get shot down, they're like, what are you sending me for? No, if you get shot down. Do you get the context? And so here's the context. You know, I write this to you so you don't get shot down. But if you get shot down, you have a cyanide test. John says, I write this to you so that you don't sin. But if you sin, it wasn't what they were expecting. It wasn't the usual. It wasn't making an excuse for it. We look at the passage, and oftentimes we say, mm, everybody sins. And, of course, I'll ask you this question. Last week, this week, and I'll always ask you the question. If everybody is going to sin, and you accept that with whoever, your kids, your wife, your girlfriend, boyfriend, if you accept that, then why would you ever be upset with them for whatever they did? Because they're going to sin. Why would, you, why would you be upset with them in any way, shape, or form? Because you've stated and you believe everybody's going to sin. And we use the phrase, we're just human, which is never, ever a found excuse in the Scriptures. That's why we take a look at the Scriptures. Simply, John says, we need to be separate from sin because sin separates us from God. So sometimes I get concerned that people just, I got saved, I'm a Christian, I did this, and they've been walking and they've been piling up all these sins thinking, oh, everybody sins. And they haven't repented of them, and they haven't gotten them out of their life. Be honest with God today, Evan. You know, can I say that, you know, well, I never knew that. Now I know the Bible teaches that. Or can you say, you know, I'd really rather have an excuse to sin. Number two, a good life coach like John will say, mimic Jesus' life, right? Yeah, if you have a good life coach, the life coach is somebody who has hopefully mastered a few of these things. They know how to get along. They get along with people that, that you know, they're a positive-thinking person, and, and, and they can hold a job, and they're in shape, and all of these wonderful things, because there's somebody that you're going to mimic their life. And John says, you know, a good Christians mimic Jesus' life. Now, here's the thing. Most of us would say, nobody can live like Jesus lived. Jesus lived and never sinned, and we all sinned. Got that covered. But if John says to us that you should live like Jesus, where do we say, well, I cannot? Let's read with, would you read with me verse 3? We know that we have come to know him, meaning Jesus, if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. We show God and Jesus Christ we love him by obeying his commands and say, yeah, you know what's best. A lot of times, our boss will give us some commands. If you're going to work here, boom, 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 boom. All right, but Jesus says, I loved you enough to give you my life for you. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. But if that person doesn't keep his commands and calls himself a Christian, the Bible says they're a liar and the truth isn't in them. Now, who do you know in the Bible that's called a liar? Satan. He's a liar. He's been lying from the beginning. He's a deceiver. You really don't want to be associated with him. John, he's 90 years old, man. He, he's saying some pretty strong things to us today. Verse 5. But if anyone obeys his word, here's that but, if anybody obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. And you know this. If you have somebody and you're giving good advice and they listen to what you have to say, they love you, they respect you. God says the same thing. If you obey his word, that's why you and I have to be in the Bible every day, even a chapter. 
reading it, getting used to it. It's a big book, but once you're in it for a year, or it's not, it, it, it isn't as big as you think it is. This is how we know we are in him. Verse 6, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did, must mimic Jesus' life. You know, there was this thing going around. It's not so big anymore. It's the bracelets and the books. What would Jesus do, right? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And it's almost like, what would Jesus do in this situation? And I like that. But it's almost like people thought we could do everything except stop sinning, except stop, you know. And the Bible explains very clearly what Jesus did is what we can do. He calls us to do it. He calls us to love our enemies, not emotionally, but with our will. Do you know the highest form of love? is your will. When you willfully love somebody, you may not feel like it, but you love them. That's the highest form of love. He tells us what to do with our enemies, what to do with our brothers and sisters, and what to do with our neighbors. It's all covered. Mimic Jesus' life. You know, somewhere or another, Christians have given away this belief, this power that we have that comes from the Scriptures. You know, I tell my daughters, when they were young to now, if anybody ever tries to get you in a car, if anybody ever tries to get you to the place where, hey, come with me, they ever try to do anything to you, I don't care if they have a gun, I don't care if they have a crowbar, I don't care what they have, you scream, you yell, you kick, you bite, you grab, you do whatever you can. But you know what a lot of people do? A lot of women, ladies, they, they, they surrender somehow thinking the person's going to be somehow kind and merciful to them, which you know never turns out good, or very rarely. I said, you will not give away your power to the other person. My daughter's teaching downstairs. You go ask her. You never give your power to them. And somehow or another, Christians, we have given the power to obey the command to not sin. We've given it away because we believe something else. This is what Jesus taught when he taught about sanctification. I get it. If you get up every day and say, I don't have to sin. I will not sin. I will walk. And then if you're tired and something causes you, you have an advocate with the Father. But we get up and we say, well, I know I'm going to. We're defeated. We've given over the power. The enemy is ruling and in control, you know. How can this happen when in verse 5 it says, if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in him. What are the two greatest commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two greatest commands. You know, so I look at this and I see, well, I'm supposed to obey. Because you have a free will, you have tremendous power. You created like no other creature. You have a free will. You can choose. You have the power to choose to obey, and you have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And if you continue on sinning, you quench him, and you don't have his power. And I don't have his power. Do you guys know what a Christian parrot is? You know what a parrot is, right? A parrot is somebody that hears something, and that they, this animal just keeps, they, they hear it. You know, probably want a cracker, whatever. They teach these things, and they learn it. But inside the parrot, it's nothing they believe. They're not changed. Christian parrots are Christians who repeat things that are heard, but it never changes inside. They just parrot what other Christians say. Praise the Lord. How you doing today? God bless. I'll pray for you. Whatever. Everybody sins every day. You, have, you repeat all this stuff and nothing's changed inside. We don't want to be that. 
I don't want to be that. You don't want to be that. Be honest with God. We, have we been mimicking Jesus' life, all of it? Or is there a certain place that say, well, nobody can be like Jesus? Will you please tell John that? He's got to have something wrong here. Number three, uh, we asked him to correct our thinking. We line it up with the scriptures. We mimic the life of Jesus Christ. He's our model. And number three is in with the old. In with the old. What would you, why would a life coach say in with the old? Well, he might not say it, but here's what I know. There's hardly nothing new under the sun when it comes to anything a life coach is going to teach you. It's something that was taught old, it was taught different whether it's how to get along with people, how to keep a job, how to have a good work ethic, how to eat right and proper, whatever it is. I, I, people come to me all the time. They've got this workout app, you know, and I used to work out. I know that that, that seems really hard to believe, but years, I, I worked at a shop. We had a workout place. After work, we worked out. My friend, the boss, all of us, you know. I had guys that were in competition and stuff, and they come and they show me, look at this new, look at this new app on how to, how to help your body. I'm just like, seen that before, like about 35 years ago. You know, it, nothing new. And so what a good life coach does is they take something that's old and they teach it to you in a new way. Look at what uh, John teaches us in verse 7. Dear friends, I am write, I'm not writing you a new commandment, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Now, if you look up, do you know that the Old Testament, also in Leviticus 19, 18, that's as Old Testament as you can get, says, love your neighbor as yourself. The Old Testament taught that, and the New Testament taught it. But there's something different that happened that made that commandment new after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verse 8, yet I am writing you a new command. And look at its truth is seen in him and in you. What truth is that? It was taught long ago. Do you remember the prophecy about the Holy Spirit coming? He will take your heart of stone, make it heart of flesh, and lead you. In other words, they were told and commanded to do it, but in the New Testament, you have the power to literally love your neighbor as yourself. Love your brothers and sisters. Love your enemy and do good to them. You and I now have the power that nobody else had until the day of Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit was poured out. Have we given away our power? In with the old, but there's something brand new about it. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world and you're the light of the world. You got the Holy Spirit inside you, you're the light of the world. Verse 9, here he says this again, be careful, Christians, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or a sister is still in the darkness. It's a new command, but it's an old command. Jesus enables us to love our neighbors. But as soon as anybody asks, well, who is my neighbor? Or who's my brother and sister? I, in Bible studies, people ask this question all the time. Do you remember what the guy said to Jesus when Jesus said, you know, Love the Lord your God and love your neighbors. What did the guy say? Who is my neighbor? Looking for a loophole. Aren't you? Evan, you don't know this person. You don't know this enemy of mine. You don't know this brother and sister. You don't know what they've done to me. Looking for a loophole. And what you do in a loophole is you, you hide in the hole. And Jesus will not allow it. If you, he says, anyone who claims to be in light hates his brother, they're in darkness. How is it that you're possibly shining when the standard for Christianity is found in verse 9? 
people can claim all kinds of crazy things, don't they? People can claim, you know, something and they could totally even be deceived in repeating it. For example, if I asked you if you knew so, a guy uh, whose name was Mark Patrick, Mark Patrick, and I would tell you that Mark Patrick is the one guy you can trust to do the two biggest things that our Americans want. Number one, he can help you lose weight. Number two, he can help you quit smoking. Two big things in America. I know there's some other things. Mark Patrick can help you. Now, if Mark Patrick's advertisement that he can help you do that in the paper yesterday through hypnosis, I don't know where you get a degree in that, but anyway, through hypnosis, if it was accurate, he would be a millionaire. People would be flocking there. If he could help me lose weight and if he could help you quit smoking or whatever, he'd be a gazillionaire. And somehow or another, he's got this guarantee in here. You read the fine print. So you get your $49 back and you got 50 pounds back. People can claim things. People can believe things. They can be literally and utterly false. You guys may know Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon, a great theologian, said, quote, if you sincerely drink poison, it's going to kill you. If you sincerely slit your throat, you're going to die. If you sincerely believe a lie, you will suffer the consequences. The Bible is one place we find truth. And the last thing he said is, you must not be only sincere, but you must be right. Now, there's one way I know that I can always be right, and there's one way I know you can always be right, is go to the Word of God. People have tried to tear down the Bible forever, and yet it stands as the number one selling book. It is giving light to third world countries where nothing else could work. It's giving light to the soul. It's giving light to you and to me. So in with the old, yeah, got it. You know, be honest with God. Am I hating my brother and sister? Am I claiming I'm a follower of Jesus Christ? Am I being deceived? You can't just be sincere and go to heaven. You've got to be right. And if I say to you, there's only one way to heaven, and you say, no, there's many roads, what does the Bible say? You search it out. Oh, there's many roads to heaven. That's your thinking of God. I tell you, that's not true. You see what Jesus said in John 14, 6. Number four. The th I think the last thing a good life coach would say is hit the mark. You know, A life coach uh, can, can help you achieve what they're teaching you. If they set out some goals and you don't ever reach them, all they do is frustrate you and they're a lousy life coach. But if you're willing to do whatever they tell you, they say, listen, here's the mark. The mark is right here. Let's just hit that. And when we hit that constantly, then we'll up it. Let's, let's hit the mark. John said, I want you to hit the mark. Mimic the life of Jesus Christ and look at verse 10. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light. That is the light of, you know, my brother and sister may not always be right, but they're my, they're my brother and sister in Christ. I love my enemy. I, I, I pray for them. It's not a matter necessarily if, if I feel like it. Please understand, you can love somebody with your will. Jesus did all the way to the cross. He didn't feel like it. And if there is, and, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. They're walking in the light. If you walk in the light, there's nothing in you to make you stumble. This was also in chapter 1. What does the word stumble mean? Another way of saying sin. 
There's nothing to make you sin if you're walking in the light. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the dark and walks around in the dark. They don't even know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. Don't just half-heartedly aim at loving your neighbor. If you're anything like me, you have to have a passage of Scripture that you can claim, that you can say, Lord, I need you to help me with this. Romans 5, 5. The love of the Father has been poured out in our lives by the Holy Spirit, the one who makes us light, the one who comes to live inside of us, the one who enables us to do good to our enemy, you know, to love our brother and sisters in Christ, you know. You can't hit a bullseye in the dark. It's almost comical. Turn the lights off and try to hit a bullseye. I got a graphic up here of somebody who is blindfolded. And uh, go ahead, pop that up for me. It says, somebody who's blindfolded who's put the blindfold on themselves. Have you got that for me? Got that graphic? This person didn't have somebody walk up to them and put a blindfold on. I know this guy personally. This person put the blindfold on themselves. They put the blindfold on themselves and they're trying to hit the target, and spiritually speaking, nobody blinded you, but you may have been deceived. You've, I've done it to myself. I've blindfolded myself, and I'm stumbling around, walking in the dark. If I'm hating my brother and sister, whatever it is, the two greatest commands, love the Lord and love your neighbor as yourself. If I'm not doing that, I can't possibly know God's will. I can't possibly sense the presence of the Lord. I, can't, I shouldn't possibly expect an answer to prayer. I'm stumbling around in the dark. I'm blindfolded because he compares light to darkness, and darkness is evil, and darkness is separation. He expects us to hit the mark. You can't hate your brother and sister. You can't do that. But he does say you can walk in the light, and nothing will cause you to stumble. You see, um, there's kind of this joke that men don't ask for directions, right? You know, if, if I don't ask for directions and I get lost and my wife says I think we're lost I have one or two answers number one I know shortcut but if it takes too long I have a scenic route right that's either a scenic route and we laugh about it a little bit but spiritually thinking you don't want to not ask for directions because God has laid them out with this wonderful apostle John first John has five chapters we're going to cover four of them this month be honest with God. He expects us to hit the mark. Love your neighbor. Love the Lord your God. How can the love of God be inside of us? So in other words, don't claim you love the Lord your God if you won't obey his commands. The two greatest commands are covered here, and it is, it is discipline. He is disciplining us. The life coach is disciplining us to know that we can hit the mark, that we can achieve this. I know that it won't be convenient for many of you today to come out to baptism, but I hope you will. You're going to come out. It's going to be down by the lake. It's going to be awesome. Some of you have been down there, been baptized down there. It's a wonderful home and wonderful fellowship. You'll see people from each other church. Come down at 2 o'clock. The directions are there. we got some uh, maps. Nancy's got some maps out there. Come and be with your neighbors. It's fellowship. The second chapter is about loving each other and loving our God in a disciplined way not just saying it. So in your notes, I have the phrase, who cares? And I'd just like to ask you a question. Who do you know that cares for you? If you were to write it down, this person, you know, Kay, really, she cares for me. And I know Kay cares for me because 
I've given Kay permission to tell me, hey, when you're off base, let me know. And, and you know, I'm off base a lot. Most of the time, I don't know where to think it, but if it happens to you once in a while, you, you, you care about somebody that cares about you, and you, they care about you, and you didn't write their name down because they spoiled you and give you everything you want. You wrote their name down because they care about you enough to be almost, in a sense, your, one of your life coaches because you want to be accountable and you want to be the best you you could possibly be, most especially as a Christian. Who cares about you spiritually? I hope you have somebody who cares about you spiritually, who will be honest and straight and upfront with you. But when I ask you the question, who cares about you, I want you to know that if you need a spiritual life coach, the Apostle John is a pretty good one. He's a pretty good one to open, to read, to see what he has to say, to live accordingly. That's why the asterisks in your notes, the central point of what I want to say to you today is, is listen to someone like John who's been there and done that. He's been through the ups and downs of the church. He's been, hey, churches fight. Churches have problems, the ups and downs of the church. And he's been around. He's been around. And church fights cause people to say, do we love each other, you know? Christian fights. I mean, if you desire to have a life coach for your spiritual life, John is a pretty good one. So in your notes, right at the bottom, what did your life coach say to you today, and what are you going to do about it? I put two lines down there. What did the life coach say to you today? Maybe it's only one thing, but boy, there's one thing. You know, maybe it was to correct your thinking. How is your thinking according to what you're claiming versus what you're living? Maybe it's to mimic Jesus' life. Maybe you just said, you know, nobody can really achieve that, but yet John says you have to live in him, like him. Maybe you say, okay, that's going to be my goal. Maybe uh, number three was, is, you know, there's somebody that, you know, in with the old, and, and it's like, well, I really can't love that person, and yet now, with the Spirit of God, you realize, yes, I can, and yes, I should be. Maybe for you it was hit the mark. Maybe somehow or another you've been blindfolded by hate for someone, a brother and a sister. It's interesting, most of the time, People don't often express that they hate God. I know that there's people that do, but it's just a person. But the Bible says you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. I mean, you wrestle against principalities and spiritual, and that's what we wrestle against. And so John teaches us that uh, I strive to live without sin. I obey Jesus, his commands. I love my neighbor as myself, and this is how I live. And so let me just close with this story. It's a, it's a little bit of an older story. It was during one of those times, one of those country places where they didn't have lights when the railroad crossing went by. They had a guy standing there with a lantern, and that was it. And what happened is there was an accident in this uh, country road in a railroad crossing. The train smashed into the car and pushed it 400 yards, and nobody died. Nobody died. No one was killed. But the driver took the train, uh, the company, uh, train company to court. At the trial, the crossing guard insisted that he had given the driver ample warning by waving his lantern back and forth for nearly a minute. Matter of fact, he stood up in court and he showed him exactly how he did it and everybody bought it and everybody bought into it. No problems, case dismissed. It wasn't the train's fault. So congratulations, the lawyer said to the guard when it was over. You did superbly under cross-examination. Thanks, the uh, guy said, but he sure had me worried. How's that, the attorney asked. I was afraid he was going to ask me if the lantern was lit. 
And I read this chapter and I think, Evan, is it possible you're claiming you're a Christian? You're waving the lantern, you know, who we are, we represent Christ, but you're not lit? That's the caution that John has for Christians. That's the caution he has for me and for you. you know, we, got, we got all the answers right, we answer anything. Don't ask me that question. Maybe the Holy Spirit has asked you that question today. Could you bow your heads with me today? Is there something that the Spirit of God said to you? Is there something that in the Scriptures that God said to you today? If that is the case, let me pray for you. I'll be around if you want to talk, answer any questions. Uh, Roger's going to come give us a couple announcements. Jesus, your word is a lamp for our feet. It tells us how we can live, not to frustrate us, but somehow wonderfully, miraculously, by the presence of your Spirit in our hearts and lives, you enable us to live like Christ. Boy, we've lived a watered-down version of what the Bible teaches for too long, Jesus. Renew in us whatever one or two things people wrote here today. May they go back and read First John again. And if anybody here doesn't have a Bible, Father, let them know they come forward, take one of these. We purchased it for them free. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.